EM Guidewire, hard-hitting emergency medicine from Carolina's Medical Center. Hey team, thanks for joining us once again for another episode of Intern Nuggets. We'll jump right into the workup of an altered mental status patient with Drs. Durba and Folk. All right, here we go. This is Destiny Folk, PGY1. And this is Sophia Durba, PGY1. In this episode of Intern Nuggets, we're going to walk through a case I saw on shift a few weeks ago. Let's jump right in. Medic has arrived at the bedside in our high-acuity psych bed area and gives you the following report. This is a 68-year-old female with a history of vascular dementia and baseline GCS of 14 coming from a skilled nursing facility. She usually is confused but calm and cooperative. About an hour ago, the staff noted that she was becoming very irritable and started screaming, which is totally out of character for her. Her most recent blood pressure was 136 over 80, heart rate 88, respiratory rate 14, O2 sat 96% on room air. Any other questions, Dr. Derba? Hmm. Did you check a temperature or a blood glucose? Oh, yes. They did. Temp was 98.9 and glucose was 140. Does she take any medications? Well, I'm not sure of her exact medication list, but she doesn't take any blood thinners. Great. Thank you, medic. Next, you arrive over to the patient's bedside. Of course, she is in a hallway bed, as all our other rooms are full, and she is screaming at you and the tech saying, help me, help me, while the tech is trying to take her vitals. You quickly realize this patient is agitated and is going to require some sedation to provide adequate care and fully evaluate her. You ask the nurse to give her five of I am Haldol after checking her allergy list so that you can do a full physical exam of the patient while keeping you and your staff safe. Next, you go sit down to think about your differential for this patient. Lucky you, you've got a teaching resident on shift with you. After telling them the little you know about the patient, they ask you, what's on your differential for this patient with altered mental status? Well, I use the classic AEIOU tips mnemonic for these patients to make sure that I don't miss anything because altered mental status really could be anything. So here we go. Alcohol, epilepsy, insulin or glucose abnormalities, overdose, uremia, trauma, infection, psychiatric causes or poison, and stroke. That's a great differential. I'd also add cardiac ischemia to that list. What would you like to order on this patient? Let's start with a CBC, BMP, LFTs, a chest x-ray, UA, and a urine culture, a troponin and an EKG, and a non-con CT scan of her head. While waiting for her labs and imaging, I'd really like to get her into a patient room with a monitor on her. I think that sounds like a great initial workup and plan, Dr. Derba. While waiting for your labs, you go and examine the patient after she receives Haldol. She has no signs of trauma, she's moving all four of her extremities, and has a GCS of 14. She's unable to cooperate for a full neurological exam at this time, but she does have two millimeter pupils that are equal and reactive bilaterally, no abdominal tenderness, and a normal cardiovascular and pulmonary exam. Your labs come back quickly, and her CBC, BMP, LFTs, troponin, and urinalysis are all completely normal. Her EKG shows normal sinus rhythm, but her CT scan shows a large intraparenchymal hemorrhage. Your teaching resident asks you, so what are some things you consider when managing a patient with an intracranial hemorrhage? Well, first, I would pay to neurosurgery to come and evaluate the patient to see if she has any need for early surgical intervention. I also know that they have a blood pressure goal, but to be honest, I'm not really sure what that goal is. Research trials have shown different blood pressure goals for these patients. Two trials suggest that lowering blood pressure to 140 over 80 is not harmful and may be slightly beneficial. Here at CMC, our systolic blood pressure goal is less than 150. You also want to make sure you avoid hypotension in these patients. 
Your patient's systolic blood pressure has been in the 130s, so you don't need to start her on any antihypertensives at this moment. But what is one of the antihypertensives of choice for patients with an intracranial hemorrhage? Hmm, I think nicardipine? That's right. Nicardipine is the antihypertensive of choice because it is a pure arterial vasodilator, so it has no significant effect on cerebral vasodilation or venous dilation. Any idea what you should start your nicardipine drip at, Dr. Durba? Well, thankfully, I have that memorized, so I know that it's five milligrams per hour. Yes, you star enter. <laughs> <laughs> start your drip at five mg per hour and then increase it every five minutes by 2.5 mg until you reach your target blood pressure. Then you can titrate it down to a maintenance infusion of three mg per hour. We are fortunate to have nicardipine here at CMC. If your institution does not have nicardipine, you can also consider using labetalol. Let's talk a little bit about reversal agents for patients with intracranial hemorrhage. This patient does not take any blood thinners, so we don't have to worry about this for her. But what is the reversal agent for patients on aspirin? Well, since aspirin is an antiplatelet agent, can you give her platelets? You can give platelets and DDAVP or desmopressin for aspirin reversal. But many studies have shown that non-surgical intracranial hemorrhage patients who received platelets were associated with poor clinical outcomes overall. If patients are going to emergency surgery, most neurosurgeons do recommend platelet transfusions for these patients. Let's talk about reversing one more agent our patients are commonly on, warfarin. What are the reversal agents for warfarin, Dr. Durba? Well, I know that for warfarin, you can give four-factor PCC and vitamin K. That's correct. Patients on warfarin with an intracranial hemorrhage should receive IV four-factor PCC 1,500 units as soon as possible and IV vitamin K and 50 mils of normal saline over 10 minutes before the INR result comes back. This is because hematoma expansion typically occurs within the first hour in patients taking warfarin. You should repeat the patient's INR 15 minutes and 5 hours after PCC is administered to determine if repeat dosing is necessary. Your target INR is 1.5. Got it. I know that in patients with an intracranial hemorrhage, you also want to strictly regulate their glucose levels because hyperglycemia has been shown to be associated with poorer outcomes. Both hypoglycemia and hyperglycemia should be avoided in these patients. Some studies have shown that a blood sugar ranging from 80 to 110 improved outcomes in patients with intracranial hemorrhage. However, you have to be careful not to drop the patient's blood sugar too much as this could also increase mortality. So going back to our patient, she would not require any antihypertensives or reversal at this time. Her glucose was also normal. I'd want to continue to assess her airway and GCS to make sure that there's no indication for intubation. I'd also want to make sure that her nurse does frequent neuro checks on her at least every hour to detect any signs of clinical deterioration or signs of increased intracranial pressure, which would indicate the need for additional measures. That sounds like a stellar plan, Dr. Derba. This patient was admitted right upstairs to our hospital. But if your hospital does not have neurosurgery and she needs transport, I'd have a low threshold to intubate her prior to transfer, as these patients often deteriorate in the first 12 hours. I won't go into the details of managing elevated intracranial pressure and intracranial hemorrhage during this episode, but generally speaking, head-of-the-bed elevation, hypertonic solutions such as hypertonic saline or mannitol, appropriate sedation, and appropriate ventilation if the patient is herniating are ways to manage elevated intracranial pressure. If you want to learn more about intracranial hemorrhage, check out episode 104 from EM Cases Online. Let's quickly summarize what we learned today. Don't forget to ask the medic about all vital signs, including temperature. Don't forget to ask about the glucose, and in any altered patient, consider the need for Narcan if you have any suspicion for opioid overdose. Use the AEIOU TIPS mnemonic for altered mental status patients. When an intracranial hemorrhage is diagnosed, quickly consult neurosurgery. If needed, start the patient on a nicardipine drip at 5 milligrams per hour, 
and then increase it every five minutes by 2.5 milligrams until you reach your target blood pressure of less than 150 systolic. Then you can titrate it down to a maintenance infusion of three milligrams per hour. Closely manage their glucose and have your nurse do frequent neuro checks at least every hour and consider intubation if your patient appears to be clinically deteriorating. Most non-surgical patients on aspirin do not require reversal agents, but all patients on warfarin with a diagnosed intracranial hemorrhage should receive IV vitamin K and PCC even before the INR comes back. Well, that's all we've got for you today. Thanks for joining us here at the J. Lee Garvey Studio. We'll be back for some more intern nuggets soon. Thanks for listening to EM Guidewire. Go, be awesome today. Seems he out. You get yourself some pal dog, you chill out, and you go see your patient. Hopefully not.